0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by pro It's 12.33 in Edmonton. Busy, busy show. If you missed the first half hour of the show, you missed Connor McDavid live uh, over from Europe in uh, Latvia. Uh, he was named captain of Team Canada today for the World Hockey Championship. You also heard some comments from Peter Shirelli. Uh, we'll probably run a couple of lows uh, more during the course of today's show. Uh, of course, we had on Friday's show both Todd McClellan and Jay Woodcroft on after the Oilers made their coaching uh, changes. So speaking of changes, in 29 seconds' time, we're going to go to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, talk to John Shannon about what's shaken in T.O. Some guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, Jasper Avenue. Every Wednesday night is date night at Roos Chris. You can go visit Rebecca and the staff down at Roos Chris where two can dine for $120. Roos Chris Steakhouse, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Without further ado, pleased to be joined by NHL Hockey and Rogers analyst, John Shannon. John, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. I know it's been a busy day for you, so uh, let's get to the news of the day involving the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Exactly what shook down there today?
1: Well, it's an interesting one. I think that if uh, if you look between the lines, my gut tells me that Lou Lamorella wanted to stay, and my gut tells me that Brendan Shanahan wanted to move on. Um, That said, Lou's a good company man. Uh, He had signed a contract, said he was going to be moved to a consultant's job uh, after three years of being general manager, and knowing Lou as I do, uh, he's good to his word. And so that's what he's doing. Um,
0: now, a lot of people, and there has been a push, specifically amongst some of the analytics-driven, younger media types out of Toronto, uh, for Kyle Dubas, who came out of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds organization. Uh, Sheldon Keefe was the coach there. Uh, if I recall correctly, um, Sheldon Keefe, was he not one of the uh, the Quinte Four Yep, was, he was uh,
1: one of David Cross's young guys. So. Yep. But he's he's a terrific
0: young one. coach, right? And uh, seen very as, good coach. Very Seen good. as a good coach, and Dubas is seen as a rising star in management circles. Is this uh, a harbinger of things to come with who inevitably will be the next GM in Toronto, uh, that being Kyle Dubas?
1: I think things point that way, Bob. But, uh, I, I mean, let's face it, uh, the, the Maple Leafs, uh, like anywhere Lamorello has worked, have become Fort Knox. Information doesn't leak out. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, there's no innuendo. Uh, there's no rumors. Uh, and would it, uh, and I do think that is. I, I do think it's Kyle Dubas. Uh, but uh, then you have to wonder what kind of effect that has on the rest of the organization. The, the one thing I would say about Kyle is that he's worn the analytics label um, perhaps a little too much, even for his liking. <laughs> Uh, he uses he uses every tool They're open to him, and what I what he has been for the last three years is a sponge around Lou Amarillo. Yeah, absolutely. I think that
0: uh, you know you got to look for every uh, possible advantage you can. So Toronto's in a unique situation here, right? Because do they not got to get a couple guys signed here and know how much certain players are going to cost? They've got three guys that all came in as rookies together. Uh, Obviously, Austin Matthews, who... Mm -hmm had to go through three layers to have success against Boston. That's not easy. Sometimes maybe people in Toronto need to remember that. Uh, But Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander, um, give me a take on what you perceive uh, is going to happen there. What sort of price point are we looking at on extensions of all three players? Or would there theoretically maybe only be extensions on two? And could Nylander, in theory, be a guy that might be potentially in play for a defenseman?
1: Well, I would be disappointed if that was the case, because I think Nylander is going to become an exciting player in this league, no matter where he plays. I do think there are plans in the Maple Leaf organization to move him to center, uh, because I don't think they're going to re-sign Tyler Bozak to a contract. Right. And so they're going to need a number two center. Um, I mean, listen, I... (laughs) Uh, you're 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 in Edmonton. You asking me a question about how much Austin Matthews is going to cost. I mean, remember last summer? Um, you know, I, I think that Connor set the Connor set the bar uh, for these contracts. And like Matt, like like uh, McDavid, Matthews is going into the last year of his entry level deal, so they can negotiate yep. uh, in July to get an extension, whether that's six, seven, or eight years, or a bridge deal. Now, I don't think it'll ever be a bridge deal. right? So, I I mean, I think we're looking at eight times 12. I really do. I think that that's – and I will say one name to Pat Brisson. Yep. That's that's, that's Austin Matthews' agent. And you can bet that he was following uh, what Jeff Jackson and Connor were doing with the Oilers last year. Uh, very closely. Now, the one thing, from that thing, perspective, yeah, from that perspective, I think I, I think we're talking max money, or as close to max money as, as Matthews will deliver.
0: Well, it's interesting because the one thing I will say about Pat, uh, he also has rep- represented Sidney Crosby since day one, and I, I would argue that Sidney Crosby has given the Pittsburgh Penguins organization a bit of a hometown discount there. And some might say yes. Connor. Some might say Connor did that as well at Everton. That he could have gone to thirteen and a half if he'd wanted to, right? So, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. Like I, I'm going to be intrigued to see. So, because what did Eichels, uh, Jack Eichel, got? He got ten, or ten times ten. Yeah, eight yeah, times ten. Eight times ten. And McDavid got eight times twelve point five. You know, are we are we looking at 11, 11 and a half from because
1: I think no, I, I, I think you're looking at twelve.
0: You think you're okay?
1: And what about Marner? Because because it's Toronto. Well, I, I think that, that this is the interesting one. Marner has played himself. I mean, particularly when you look at the playoffs. Yes, Marner has played himself and got himself another big raise. Uh, so I mean, I I where could Marner fit in this? The, the one thing I would say is that Marner, being a Toronto the Toronto kid. Does he want to take the discount in order to be guaranteed playing for the Maple Leafs for a long time? Uh, you know, if I'm him, my answer is no. Uh, but you know, he's he's that that one is going to be the interesting one. Is where can he get to?
0: Well, John, there's there is a, a comparable to Edmonton. I mean, they the orders split up as you know, Connor and David and Leon Dry settled during the course of the Anaheim series and. Connor got the layering effect in terms of going up uh, defensively. He got Ryan Kessler, and he got uh, the top pairing, which was Hampus Lindholm for the majority of the time, and then and then the goaltender, right? And so he had a lot of work to do to have success, and Dreisaitl got the better matchup and absolutely crushed it and went on an offensive eater. And it's it's upset some of the people here that don't think he's worth, you know, $8.5 uh, uh, bucks per year. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, he's got back-to-back 70-point seasons in the NHL, and there's Marner. He too got the secondary matchups and absolutely drove it for Toronto in a series against Boston. He was, you know, let's face it, he was the most dangerous Leafs forward from start to finish in that series.
1: And... Absolutely, and and I mean, I, I think he went. If you look at his season, Bob, he went from being in Mike Babcock's doghouse for the first 25 games. To being the go-to guy, the last 15 games of the regular season and the playoffs. Right. Um, So uh, uh, the learning curve was pretty impressive for him, Uh, and I I mean, who who knows where it's going to go? And then they've got Evander on top of that, and they have to decide what they're going to do with free agents too. So it's going to be an interesting summer. And uh, you know, done well, they're going to have a manager sooner than later here. And I do believe that it's going to be an internal pick. All right. We're joined right now by John Shannon
0: from NHL Hockey and Rogers. John, uh, on Roger, everybody was watching that uh, lottery on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Nolan was cheering for the Oilers to move up dramatically. And it should be stated, uh, just so everybody out there recalls, the Oilers held their position in 2010. Uh, in 2011, New Jersey won the lottery, moved up from 8 to 4, and Edmonton held the 1. In 2012, yeah. the Oilers moved up one spot. And in 2015, the orders moved up, too, in the McDavid draft. and since yeah, the,
1: Rules were different then, though, no, but rules were a little yeah. different. You could not move all the way from right. Uh, the, the draft was a system where if you were if you were 8th or ninth, you couldn't move any higher. You could move, yeah, yeah, move five right. spots. But
0: yeah, you could move five spots. So uh, now, you know, Buffalo, and we're going to have uh, Mike Harrington on later from Buffalo, and they have been beleaguered uh, with, you know, twice they've missed out on Ekblad and then McDavid and back-to-back years. They win it. That's a big-time player they're going to get out of this, and, and with the excellent pick by Jason Bottero, may we add, uh, last year, <laughs> uh, a guy that is going to be up for Rookie of the Year this year, Casey Middlestadt, they got two Rookie mm-hmm. of the Year candidates right now, don't they, in Buffalo?
1: They do. Um, the concern for me uh, is, and I, I still think there are still some questions, and this is my personal opinion about the coaching, whether Phil Housley can coach Okay. Uh, an NHL squad. I think that that's a question, and I, and, uh, I, I think the comments that Ryan O'Reilly uh, had at the uh, at the season end, when he talked about the acceptance the acceptance of losing, uh, you know, people people just shrugged their shoulders and said, "Yeah, that's the Saviors. That's not a great environment for a young guy to come into. So, I, I there's a ton of work to be done uh, off ice with this franchise. Is Rasmus Dahlin a great player? Oh, absolutely. Is he a franchise changer? Yes. You know that there are some to the point where people are saying he's not comparable to anybody. He's his own man, his own person. A guy that played forward as a youngster and understands how to play defense. That's I don't think we've seen anything like it closely uh, this quickly uh, in in our lifetime, Bob. Uh, so from that perspective, making sure that he's insulated properly from the negative vibes, as you want to call it at Buffalo, that's going to be. I think Jason Botterill and Phil Hells biggest issue
0: all along. In your opinion, do you think Buffalo's situation, because people in Buffalo like to draw comparables to Edmonton, is there, I mean, the Oilers had 47 wins and 103 points last year. Uh, Edmonton made the playoffs. I mean, this year was an incredibly disappointing season. Connor McDavid just said that, you know, he's, he's happy to keep his year going because he wants to be playing deep into yep. the year every year. I do think there's a little bit, a little bit of a difference because Buffalo, like to me, Buffalo kind, like the owners never tried to. Okay, ten and eleven, they were bad teams, and you know Daryl Cates said on what was February of 2010. Let's face it, we're in a re- rebuild, but Buffalo has been sort of in a state of. You know where they've been drafting first, or you know in that range for several years. Now, is it different? I'll ask you. You're closer to that market, and and you have contacts in the owners' organization as well. Do you perceive a difference between the position the Sabers are in and the one Edmonton's in?
1: I do. Uh, I do both on and off the ice. Um, In in many ways, for the last five years, the Sabers have been dysfunctional, Uh, and I blame ownership for a lot of it. I think uh, Kim and Terry Pagula have been too involved. Uh, i i think that that caused a bit of a an, an issue i think when jack eichel can go right to ownership and say i don't like dan bilesman that's an issue and that creates the wrong message for the team um you, you know when 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 you're in the middle of a rebuild and you fire your general manager and you fire your coach uh, you put a real challenge and you step it back 18 months so that's that's the. The issue that Botterill and Housley have now—they're, you know—they're starting from scratch one more time with a year under their belts. That you look at and say, "Hey, how have they been?" I mean, I mean, I think Arizona's in better shape than Buffalo, Bob. I, I really do. Okay. I, I like where Arizona is. When you think about teams that are on the rebuild and their youth movements and, and what they're what they're doing. Um, And I just think that there's too much luggage in Buffalo right now still, and it's going to take Botterell a couple of years to get rid of it.
0: All right. Uh, On that note then, uh, your perception, uh, you know, Peter Shirelli uh, was on – uh, we ran a couple clips from Peter today. He was on uh, with me through Inside Sports Friday night. Uh, Todd McClellan yeah. back. Uh, the order is keep the path of uh, Nicholson, Shirelli, and McClellan. And uh, I'm going to draw a parallel to another organization after I get your thoughts on McClellan being back as head coach. This is not a surprise to me and surely not a surprise to you.
1: No, no, and it shouldn't be. I mean, I think Todd mcclellan is that high pedigree as a head coach. Uh, what I would say is, and I think the next step, and, and we talked to Peter on Saturday as well um, on our show on Sportsnet, um, is that uh, you know hiring those assistants and getting the right assistants so that there is uh, some level of dialogue and even conflict between the coaches hmm. uh, that that will allow the team to grow. Uh, you know, if, if, if there was the one criticism I would say of the coaching staff that existed was they were all on the same page all the time. Uh, and you don't necessarily get good ideas, and you don't. It's important to have pushback. It's important to have new ideas. It's important to be flexible. And I do think, by the way, I do think Todd learned that lesson in the second half of the season. It's important to be flexible, and uh, I, I think going forward, and I, I, I fully expect a, uh, uh, a an organization and a coaching staff that will be looking forward, changing, changing the uh, the plan. Uh, as as needed as the season goes on. Whereas I don't think they changed the plan very much until desperate times called for des- desperate measures last year.
0: Out of St. John's, Newfoundland, we have this text from Dirty Mike and the Boys. Kevin Shovel Dayoff should win Executive of the Year. For signing Shifley to the contract he did. I find that interesting because when Shovel Dayoff officially was announced on September 7th that both Shovel Dayoff and uh, Paul Maurice were getting contract extensions, not that they were retaining their positions, but that they were getting contract extensions, there was criticism in the Winnipeg marketplace. What a difference eight months makes. Yeah, but here's
1: the thing when you look at the Jets, the Jets. You, you could see from a distance. You could see from Edmonton. You could see from Toronto. Yes, that they had talent, and and they, but they didn't have goaltending. Nor did they have discipline, Bob. Right. Nor did they have discipline. They were taking too many stupid penalties. The fixes in Winnipeg were simple, and give the ownership credit for realizing that the talent that Chevalier had created on the ice for the club was the right thing, and just finding a way to create discipline. And you can see it to this day. They just don't take the stupid penalties they once did. And when they do, they get in trouble. And they revert back. to not taking the stupid penalties. I, I think it's one of the great lessons learned this year. You know, they, that's when they, I think we've talked about this before. They brought Paul Dvorsky into camp for two days uh, to talk about what's a penalty, what isn't a penalty, what are you going to get called on. And it was a brilliant seminar uh, by uh, Dvorsky. Paul Dvorsky, the old referee now supervisor, right. to the Jets players on how to not take stupid penalties.
0: John, it, they, there was about four things that they had going on, okay? Number one, they couldn't get a stop when it mattered, right? Yeah. Number yeah. two, they had bad special teams, okay? Uh, and that was part of the issue with being an undisciplined hockey team, That's right? Great. So number yeah. th- number three, they had injuries on defense, okay? Because they only had – Myers played under 15 games last year. Truba missed time because he was a holdout in yeah. that situation as long as uh, Kurt over – uh, Hart, I almost said overcharge. Uh, Kurt overhard is... No, you actually did say overcharge. Yes, I did. I just subtly slid that in there. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to be an issue there. But here, here's where... I, there's another team I know that had some banged-up D that had bad special teams, and this year couldn't get a save. And the, the difference is, I'll, I'll concede, Winnipeg is deeper at forward than Edmonton. The order is top end. I mean, that's unmatched with the one guy. But, I mean, Shifley's pretty good. But you see where I'm going here? Like, this is the thing. I could see the – now, do the owners get 150? I could see Edmonton bouncing back and being a playoff team, and I think Winnipeg has shown us in this league how things can change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think not comparing on the ice, but what I would say is I think the patience that ownership showed, that senior management showed Cheval day off, and with Maurice, is the same patience that's being shown to Shirelli and to Todd. And a year from now, I think we might have a different discussion, but we might actually say, hey, listen, wasn't that the right thing to do? Uh, but uh, you and I both know uh, that uh, there are some people in the organization on the clock for this year if it doesn't work out, then there'll be changes next Yes. Time. All right. Great stuff,
0: John. We appreciate your time. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on Orders Now. We'll hook up next week. Yes, sir. You bet. From NHL Hockey on Rogers, that is John Shannon. Some guests on the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle again to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 99.90 Jasper Avenue. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. We'll be back with more on Oilers now after this. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, and NH- be or more ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St Albert Trail, fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca.
2: This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers
0: Radio, 630 Chen. You can text us on our Westlock Ford text line. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. It's 1253 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now. Uh, earlier in the show, we heard from Connor McDavid. He's over at the World Hockey Championship. Next fall, we are going over to Europe. Uh, you can join Oilers Now. In Germany and Sweden. We got a couple spots left. On our Oilers Now Road Trip, two great hockey games experience all of Germany and Sweden have to offer. Your New West Travel package includes flights, hotel, game tickets, and welcome receptions. Book now for the Oilers Now Hockey Road Trip to Sweden and Germany. Space is limited. Call New West Travel 780-432-7446 or online at com. All right. Uh, we're in a bit of a rush out of the gate of the show today to fit Connor in. Uh, Jay Woodcroft is the new head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, and Jay Woodcroft had this to say on his new post down in the AHL
1: It was a process but uh, one that I'm thankful that I went through and uh, super excited about the things that are happening within the organization and uh, my family and I are are excited about this opportunity for me personally Um, personally I think it's it's, uh, something that needed to happen in my, my coaching career I wanted to take the proper op- opportunity when it, when it provi- provided itself. Um, it's an exciting step for us as a family. And, and like I said, organizationally, I think this is an exciting time. There's a new wave of young players that co- are coming into the organization. And uh, it's a responsibility that I take very seriously. And uh, looking forward to getting started.
0: That's Jay Woodcroft, who was basically the associate coach for Todd McClellan. He goes to Bakersfield. Jim Johnson and Ian Herbers are off the staff. We'll hear from Ian. Uh, Peter Shirelli, seen in that interview, basically a mutual decision, as Ian was going to need a contract extension, not convinced Ian was going to uh, be happy in the existing role that he was already in. And, of course, he had a three-year leave from the University of Alberta. So what happens with the staff moving forward? I asked Peter Shirelli Rally on uh, working with Todd uh, to fill out uh, the staff and whether or not uh, they need a former head coach at the NHL level to work uh, with Todd McClellan on the new staff.
2: Well, I think I think a different look will help, and it helps a lot of people, and will help Todd. Um, head coaching experience not, not not a requirement. NHL experience. Not necessarily a requirement. Um, we're going to look at all candidates. It's going to be collaborative. Like this is Todd's staff. I want him to be comfortable with it. Um, you know, there's there's uh, when you're putting a staff together, there has to be a level of compatibility uh, between the group. So you you know, you look at each candidate independently, but you also look at, at at the group as one too, as how they'll fit in and how they'll handle each task. Obviously, there's the the designation of special teams—it doesn't always have to be the conventional way—and we, Todd and I, have talked about that as, as a model too. Um, there's some young candidates that are out there. There's some not so young candidates that are good candidates that don't have experience. And and you know, you talked about Bruce Cassidy, and he was—he was a little bit on the trash heap um, um, in his career, but he's he, very good hockey mind and. And uh, and so I, I bring him up because we're not afraid to look at unconventional candidates, um, and you know it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting process.
0: For those of you that don't know, when Peter Shirelli was the general manager in Boston, uh, he hired uh, Bruce Cassidy to be his head coach in the AHL. Cassidy spent five seasons there. Uh, Shirelli uh, basically lost a power struggle to Cam Neely. Uh, <laughs> As uh, well as uh, Charlie Jacobs, uh, the owner's son, and became a free agent. And Claude Julien lasted about a year later. And then the Bruins uh, brought up Bruce Cassidy and probably didn't even know what they thought they had. But he's been pretty good ever since. And uh, certainly knew Boston's. Prospects, some of whom were drafted by the Shirelli-Keith-Gretzky regime. They've really put the Bruins in good shape moving forward. Of course, their top line speaks. David Pasternak, 25th overall pick in 2014, shows you can find players late in the draft. All right, it's 12.58 in Edmonton. Very quickly, a text here from 6.30, 6.30, uh, on our Westlock Ford text line. Bob, I was wondering if you would uh, comment on how close... This is out of uh, cameras. How close do you think Kyler Yamamoto and Tyler Benson are to the show? Um, Unless Yamamoto absolutely crushes it. I think he starts the season next year in the American Hockey League. I don't think he finishes the season in the AHL. I think at some point Yamamoto will be up. Uh, Benson missed basically two years' worth of hockey. So... I think he's going to need a full year. Uh, First of all, he hasn't had a lot of time to train in the offseason. He needs to have a good training offseason, and uh, I would expect him to be a guy maybe more likely for 2019-20 than 2018-2019. Off to a global news weather traffic update. We're going to get some perspective out of Buffalo, where they won the lottery on Saturday night. Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News, as well as Ian Herbers now, Alberta Golden Bears head coach, and Peter Anaholt, the GM of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, coming up in our number two of Oilers now out. Wow.